Good morning, Peachtree. All right. We are finishing up our series on the gospel according to Bob Ross. And it was pointed out to me this week that I was the ripe old age of four years old when Bob Ross died. Uh, yet, uh, I still remember growing up watching The Joy of Painting on PBS and millions of others who never saw his show during his lifetime have seen it since and found it to be peaceful and mesmerizing and relaxing and inspiring and just satisfying. And it's a rare thing these days to find a show that pushes peace and contentment, that challenges us to relax and enjoy and trust that things will work out. The one show that does come to mind just finished up this week Ted Lasso, if anybody's watched Ted Lasso, yeah, big fans. I have not seen most of season three, so zip it. I don't want to know. I'm going to find out myself. But I'm sure that churches across the country for years to come will be having series similar to the gospel according to Ted Lasso. During my meticulous preparation for this sermon, I watched a lot of The Joy of Painting. <laughs> just to remind myself, um, and it was very soothing. Bob Ross has such an air of confidence and assurance around him that when he speaks, you believe that this strange man with a fro is a genuine person. When he speaks, you believe in him and in yourself and in the process of painting a lovely landscape. And when he says, relax, you can feel the tension in your shoulders and your neck lessen a little bit. And then when he takes his paintbrush and he slaps it against his easel and he laughs, you kind of laugh along with him because he's just this big kid up there making a little bit of a mess and having a good time. And in fairness, if you have watched one episode of The Joy of Painting, you have watched all the episodes of, Enjoy the, of The Joy of Painting. Uh, there's no new groundbreaking changes. It is the same thing. It is this old intro song with a big paintbrush and then the paints going across the screen as he introduces what landscape we'll be painting today. But, and then Bob Bross's soothing voice guiding you through this painting. Yet if you actually try to paint along with him, those little comments, those calls to relax, this is your world, you're the creator. There's no mistakes, just happy little accidents. As you struggle through your attempt to emulate a master of his craft, they become more reassuring, and they take on a truer meaning than just the simple words and phrases that those of us just watching him paint here. I know there would be times watching him where I would feel like, that looks really good. Like, I kind of want to take that, maybe put it up in my bathroom. It looks very relaxing and scenic. Uh, and then he'd do like one more paint stroke, and I'd be like, no, what are you doing? You've ruined the whole thing. But then if I calmed down and quit screaming at my computer and gave him a little time, he would turn it into this new and richer and better thing than what I first had liked. I was worrying about things I couldn't control. <laughs> and so we set Bob to the side for a minute, and we come to Sabbath. 
in our passage today. Remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. What does that mean? That sounds great. What is Sabbath? And what does it mean to keep it holy? Well, I looked it up. I checked a couple different dictionaries to make sure my definition was correct. And the Sabbath means a day of rest. So we've solved one problem. Moving on. All right. So at the end of the passage in Exodus today, in Exodus 20, it reminds us that our infinite, unlimited God, who created the universe in six days, rested on the seventh. Our God, who had no need of rest, rested. Interesting. And even before this commandment in Exodus 20, in Exodus 16, the Israelites are walking around in the wilderness and they're living off manna from heaven. God is dropping breadcrumbs on the desert, basically, for these people to live off of. And they're told, just take what you need for the day, cook it, you'll be good. Don't try and save it because it will go bad overnight. It was their daily bread. But one day God says, I'm giving you a double portion tonight, all right? Make what you need for tonight and save tomorrow, and it'll stay good, because tomorrow I want you to rest. It's the Sabbath. I want you to remember the Sabbath and rest. And so they did. They collected the bread. They made their, their food. They saved some leftovers in the morning. It was still good. Yet some people still went out to collect, and God's just sitting there dumbfounded like, I, my commandment was to stay at home and rest. All right, I'm giving you freebies. Just relax. Enjoy. There's already food in the kitchen. And then in Leviticus, there's a lot of texts about Sabbath, all right? In Leviticus, in the Sabbath laws, God is talking about, he tells the Israelites to meet together on the Sabbath, much like we continue to do today. That's, you're here this morning. And Jesus, in the Gospel text, which you heard the 9 a.m. service, says the Sabbath was made for humankind. It was made for people. People weren't made for the Sabbath. We, the Sabbath wasn't meant to be a burden. It was meant to be a delight. You need to rest. It's not. It's just it's simple. I'm, God's giving you a day off. That's basically what it is. But um, I don't know why this happens, but every time I preach, I basically, when I start reading the Bible, I turn into like a three-year-old, a little younger than I normally present. Uh, and I'm just like, why? Like, but why? Why do I need to rest? I don't want to rest. Why, wouldn't it be better if I was productive? Wouldn't it be better if I just kept getting these things done and kept working? And then it, I remember, except, you know, if I don't sleep for literally a third of a day, my body is not happy. It starts to break down. My mind's not working as good. I'm not as emotionally stable. Might be a little cranky. I can't handle it. We need eight hours of sleep. That's what everybody says. You need eight hours of sleep. You know, can you imagine a third of your day, you just have to go, oh, I, I can't handle being awake, let alone being productive. So uh, I can't really argue the we need rest. But the truth of the matter is that when it comes to Sabbath, it just so happens that has never really been a strength for me. I don't like Sabbath keeping, which I know, being the one up here in a marble pulpit wearing a robe might seem a bit ironic that I'm not a big fan of Sabbath. But you can ask my wife, and 
even in seminary, after a week of studying about God, or when we were missionaries in Spain, after a week of working for God to try to share him with students, Sunday morning would roll around, and I would have very little delight in my mind, or there'd be no delight at all in the concept of going to church and having to sit there and be with other people and delight in God. I was tired. I didn't want it. Not my proudest moments. Not something uh, I would suggest, but this is the truth. But here we are. Uh, the one who needs to hear this sermon most is the one preaching it. As I wrote in my notes earlier this week, I think about each of you when I write a sermon. I come in here during the week, I walk around, I sit in your assigned seats. I don't understand. You sit in the same place every time. It's, are your names there? But I walk around, I sit in your seats, I think about what I know about you, I, I think about who you are, and I try to hear the sermon through your ears, which sometimes it's a little muffled and I'm speaking too quickly, but I try. But this week, even more than usual, I wrote this sermon for me to hear. And so because of that, I'm going to ask you uh, to do something a little different. I'm going to ask you to dust off the blue Bibles in your pews, pick them up. We're going to read a different text because I have a microphone and I can do what I want. We're going to turn to page 688 in there. You can also, I know we did the whole put down your phones, you're going to miss it. You could also use your phone, whatever you want. We're going to Isaiah 58. It's page 688 in your pew Bibles. Oh, wow, that's a nice sound. My turning. And I just want you guys to read along with me uh, because these are the verses that actually changed my mind and affected me most about Sabbath this week. It's Isaiah 58. Shout out. Do not hold back. Lift up your voice like a trumpet. Announce to my people their rebellion, to the house of Jacob their sins. Yet day after day they seek me and delight to know my ways, as if they were a nation that practiced righteousness and didn't forsake the ordinances of their God. They ask, me, they ask of me righteous judgments, and they want God on their side. Why, why do we fast, but you do not see? Why humble ourselves, but you do not notice? Look, you serve your own interests on your fast days and oppress all your workers. You fast only to quarrel and to fight and to strike with a wicked fist. Such fasting as you do today will not make your voice heard on high. Is such the fast that I chose, a day to humble oneself? Is it to bow down the head like a bulrush, to lie in, sock, in sackcloth and ashes? Will you call this a fast, a day acceptable to the Lord? Is not this fast that I chose, to loose the bonds of injustice, to undo the straps of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free, and to break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry, to bring the homeless poor into your house, when you see the naked to cover them, and not to hide yourself from your own kin? Then your light shall break forth like the dawn, and your healing shall spring up quickly. Your vindicators shall go before you, and the glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Then you shall call, and the Lord will answer. 
and you shall cry for help, and he will say, Here I am. If you remove the yoke from among you, the pointing of fingers, the speaking of evil, if you offer your food to the hungry and satisfy the needs of the afflicted, then your light shall rise in the darkness, and your gloom be like the noonday. The Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your needs in parched places and make your bones strong. And you shall be like a watered garden, like a spring of water, whose waters never fail. Your ancient ruins shall be rebuilt. You shall raise up the foundations of many generations. And you, and you shall be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of streets to live in. If you refrain from trampling the Sabbath, from pursuing your own interests on my holy day, if you call the Sabbath a delight and the holy day of the Lord honorable, if you honor it, not going your own ways and serving your own interests or pursuing your own affairs, then you shall take delight in the Lord, and I will make you ride upon the heights of the earth, and I will feed you with the heritage of your ancestor Jacob, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. And you may be thinking, wasn't Sabbath like the last two verses of that whole chapter? Like, why did you, are you trying to fill the sermon? Do we need to stretch? Stretch. We got things we got to, we got to make this last. No. Because when I read the first part of Isaiah, that's what resonates with me. Reading about a God who cares about other people who cares about the poor and afflicted, the marginalized, the needy, the hungry. That speaks to me. In my last ministry, we took a DISC personality test. If you don't know what the DISC personality test is, it's every other personality test. But it's a personality test that ministries love. It shows you how you interact, what you might be good at. But this, and you can Google it if you really want to know more about it. All right, it's not that important. But this one was a little more minute than others. It broke down more of your natural bias and characteristics uh, that each of us have. And my mindset is just more naturally focused on altruism. That was my highest characteristic. Yay me, I'm a good person. Uh, I was 100% altruistic. Okay, cool. So that's why. So seeing a God blast people who claim to love him but don't care about others, and that like hits me right in the wheelhouse. I'm like, yes, let them know, all right? You need to start caring about other people, loving people. However, once it starts to speak about Sabbath, I'm like, but what is this doing in here? Uh, because the other part makes a lot of sense, but like, how is this as important as loving other people? Kind of caught me at a loss. And I think it's because Sabbath takes intentionality. Um, if remember the Israelites, they had to be intentional. Make sure you take a double portion. And you had to meet together. You had to plan about meeting together. You had to be intentional about it. And I know intentionality is this overused word in church. But I think it's just us trying to explain how to make something holy, set apart. It takes focus. It takes attention. It takes doing something on purpose. And you know what my biggest weakness on that DISC personality test was? Intentionality, that's right. I got a whopping 
Zero percent. I am accidentally really caring about people. So after all of my study and of scripture and rereading every passage about Sabbath this week and reading books and articles and going through and checking all the definitions just to make sure I understood the words and after feeling convicted over and over again in scripture about the importance that God continually places on keeping the Sabbath, you know what I didn't do? Remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. I did not intentionally take a break from work and set apart a day to just rest in the goodness and love of God. I was just too busy. I had things I needed to work on around the house. We've only been there three months. We have one picture hanging on the wall and a ton sitting on the countertop. I have things I got to do. I had to prep for this sermon. I had, to, I had to help with benevolence requests at the church. My sister-in-law and brother-in-law moved into town, and it was their birthday, so we had to party. I had things. They weren't bad things, but I was busy. But in all my reading about Sabbath, I ended up just watching Bob Ross paint instead of painting along. I ended up reading about God taking a Sabbath instead of resting and taking a Sabbath along with God and in God. Maybe if we keep the Sabbath, maybe it's maybe some of those answers that we have, some of those questions, to the, some of the answers to the questions that we have about God, about why it feels like He's not listening, maybe. Some of those promises in Isaiah 58, maybe they'll make a little more sense. Maybe when we cry out, we'll hear a little more clearly the here I am from God. Maybe there's something to relaxing and delighting in the rest of God. So this week, I'm making plans. I'm being intentional to take a Sabbath rest. Because maybe, just maybe, Keeping Sabbath is more important than I thought. Amen.